This is Digging Through the Fat with Jesse Alvarez. I'm feeling really sad right now. Events that happened over this weekend at Charlottesville are just deplorable. And I'm worried. I'm worried for all those who are in danger. I'm worried for all those who believe that racism is patriotism. I'm worried that I I will see even worse things happen. And we have no leadership at the moment. Our president is unable to condemn these people because these people supported him. And so here we are, grieving for the death of a young woman, grieving for the deaths of two police officers. And as far as I know, only one white supremacist has been arrested. The sad world we live in. But I have to find uh, some strength in knowing that there is more of me than there are of them and that we will prevail. We're going to have to keep doing what we're doing, showing up and presenting the world the way we see it. We have to keep living. We have to keep going out, enjoying life. We have to keep showing them that we will not stop existing because they demand us to. And so we begin the show. But for today's show, I wanted to focus on a retrospective exhibition at the New Museum of an Italian female artist by the name of Carol Rama. The retrospective is entitled Carol Rama Antibodies. It's the largest presentation of Rama's work in the U.S. to date. It features 100 of her paintings, objects, and works on paper. Rama died at the age of 97 in 2015. She began creating art in the 30s and 40s. It wasn't until the 1980s that she received critical attention for her work. I just enjoy viewing other people's creations. I mean, of course, there are artists whose works um, we are all exposed to and who we know because they are ingratiated into our mainstream world in some way, either through academia or through commerce. Rama is not one of these artists. Her work is uh, considered outsider art. It's a term I dislike, but sometimes the term acts like a guiding light for me because once I see that label, I know, okay, that's the artist that I want to look at that I want to really examine. That's the artist that was relegated to that label because the mainstream couldn't deal with it. And therefore, by giving her or giving an artist that label, you you are basically saying they're invincible. They're not worthy of time. Um, but to me, it's a red flag that tells me, oh, yeah, that's the person that I want to look at because that's going to be the, the person that 
didn't do the trendy thing. You know, anything ignored usually threatens conformity. It's fear that makes you not respond to something. Um, fear that you just don't understand it and you don't know how to present it. And therefore, your inability to present it to the world will be seen as um, a failure against you. And so rather than fail, you, you, you put it away in a drawer and forget about it. It's interesting to find so many female artists relegated to outsider art simply because their work does not easily fit within the established categories of feminist or is not affiliated with the academic standards of surrealism, minimalism, or any of the many staid isms. Outsider art is simply a term academia invented in order to neatly package a non-conforming artist for consumption. There is madness implied in the term, but the outsider label allows for insanity to be the reason for the art's creation, which is something that I think is, is ridiculous. Rather than try to fit an artist like Kara Raimond to that term and call her mad or insane, I think it's worthy to just see her as an individual artist working um, through whatever she needed to work through. So I get to the new museum, and um, the first thing I spot on the wall is a quote from Rama, and it goes something like this. I didn't have any painters as masters. The sense of sin is my master. So right away, I'm kind of prepared. It, it's weird. I, I I don't know if the new museum um, did this on purpose. In a way, it's a trigger warning of some sorts. Um, again, I didn't know anything about Rama going into the exhibit. And so being prompted by this um, quote was sort of like, almost like a, a warning of ca- a caution of some type. Um, which I, of course, ignored and, and continued on. Um, and, you know, there's always a little something about the artist on the wall. And what I learned from the little paragraph was that, um, Rama was never trained. She, um, she did have, uh, some traumatic experiences. Her, um, her father committed suicide. Her mother was, um, placed in an insane asylum. Um, she, would visit her mother in the asylum. And so many of these traumatic experiences are the inspiration from for um, the art that she created. Um, the art was perhaps her outlet for her pain, her grief, but also her discoveries. Because I think in being placed in this um, world that, that she lived in, she experienced human frailty. In, in, at a level that most of us won't experience it. You know, she was visiting her mother in a place where people were not behaving the way they do outside of the asylum. And it's clear that she saw um, many women in this asylum, many women behaving outside of uh, civility. And it shocked her, but I think Perhaps it also illuminated her. It's clear that there was a sense of of revelation there. And it comes out in, in the drawings that, that follow. So um, 
So I, you know, walk into this gallery and there are these three walls of watercolor drawings. And they're about, you know, eight by 10 or maybe a little bigger than that. Um, and they're hung tightly together so that you're, you know, you're hit with them one after another and your eye can take in many of them at the same time. And the drawings are, um, pretty obscene. <laughs> they include men fucking animals. I, I think they're dogs, although I, at first it looked like they were bears, but I think they were for the most part dogs. There are women shitting, um, you know, squatting and just taking a shit. Um, women either, and I couldn't, you know, I, I think you can interpret it both ways. Women, you know, spread eagle with snakes coming, either they're coming out of their vaginas or they're going in, either they're being birthed or the woman's fucking a snake. I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell, but they're, they're very blatant and in your face. There's a hairy man masturbating in one. There are some latrines. The women have these red, phallic, protruding tongues, almost snake-like. And uh, there was a little uh, quote somewhere about the tongues where Carol Rama stated that the, the tongue, and I'm going to paraphrase it, the tongue is the one organ that doesn't age, which I thought was really illuminating to me because I never thought of it. And that seemed like a funny thing to observe. So anyway, I, you know, I, 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 I try to take in these drawings one by one, even though they were so tightly squeezed together. And as I'm, you know, looking at them, I'm, I think at some point I'm, I'm looking at, at a bunch of women holding these, uh, penises, which, which are bunched up like bananas. The, this group of, of women, uh, walk into the gallery and they're, they're about in, you know, I would say they were about in the thirties or so. And they, um, just start giggling, like, they're just giggling and, and, and I could tell they're, they're shocked by, by the illustrations or by the drawings. And I, and I get it. I'm in a way shocked too, because I didn't expect these drawings to be the first introduction to this artist. We're not innocent. We've seen graphic sex. We've seen it in videos. We've seen it in films. It's not like these things are not out there, but in Carol Rama's work, the visuals that she's showing us are still taboo. We're still shamed of bodily functions and genitalia, you know, up, up close and personal genitalia. We still giggle at the sight of unencumbered lasciviousness. What is interesting to me about the giggling women is that their reaction is very childlike. You know, they're, they're acting like little children giggling at, at, dirty drawings and and they're pointing at the drawings and they're giggling some more and as they're doing that I'm re I see that they're they're essentially putting up a wall they're creating that distance between their experience of this drawing and and their their selves which is curious to me I think that's a problem you know a lot of people encounter something like this and they think it's dirty or crazy or strange or they're confused by it or they it's just too much for them to take it's interesting that the same people don't realize that they're just distancing themselves 
It's not that big of a deal to see someone draw a woman shitting. We have sex. We have fantasies. We have sexual fantasies. And it could be that, you know, the snakes and the dogs are just fantasies. They're not reality. And they're certainly not reality because they are drawings to begin with. We're not looking at a photojournalist showing us people fucking dogs. We're looking at drawings of people fucking dogs. So it's interesting that, that, that something that is imaginary can still shock, which I think, uh, if Carol Rama is, is, is floating above our heads right now, she is possibly enchanted by that reaction because she sounds like she would have really have gone, gone for it. These drawings, which are, are making these women giggle are, um, also Carol Rama's first part of Karama's first exhibition in 1945 in uh, Turin, Italy. The uh, exhibition never opened. The works were confiscated by the police. And Karama lost a few of her drawings in that confiscation. She recovered some, but not all. And these watercolors weren't shown again until 1980. So you know, for 40, for 35 years, Carol Rama was, um, I mean, she continued to create art and her art changed. I mean, she, she went from these, um, colored illustrations to, uh, work with rubber and these, um, using rubber as her, um, primary source material for these canvases, um, which I guess you can, Think of as sculptural because, um, I don't think there's any paint in them. It's all rubber. Um, and the rubber, of course, is, um, it's also a personal thing, a personal connection. Her dad was a bicycle manufacturer, I believe. And so the rubber, um, is a connection to her dad. These are very unique and minimal and um, extraordinary in that they're completely different from the illustrations. She also has um, paintings, these very thickly made paintings. They, they, they're very drippy and um, also um, somewhat abstract expressionistic, I guess you can say. Um, so it's clear that she was kind of like continuing to work in different styles, different ways, still not truly fitting into those particular styles because she would always give it a little bit of her twist to them. Um, but all these other works are also on display at the, at the new museum. There's a quote from her from when she was 86 years old and, and she says, uh, nobody in the world has ever been more pissed off than me, <laughs> which is obviously not true, but which makes you think, oh, so there is this sort of um, anger in her that perhaps the anger is what kept her going all those years, even though nobody was really looking at her work critically. So like I said, a, a lot of the works that she did were inspired by her experiences so one of the wonderful things about the new museum is that they have an amazing bookshop on the first floor in the lobby. And of course, um, there is a catalog there of Carol Rima's work. And so I, I browse through it and I just want to read a little, uh, paragraph from that, uh, catalog. 
just to give you a sense of, of Kararama and what inspired her, her works over the years, um, particularly those early, early illustrations that I, that I spoke about. When I was 12 years old, I went almost every day to a psychiatric clinic to see someone. And there, a great happiness was born because I didn't understand that I was in a madhouse environment. And the freedom I found in these people with their tongues sticking out, their legs apart, or crouching down, or in some other position. By now, any person was more important than my family. I had abdicated, and as it were, renounced it. That's where my early works originated from. And I saw these women squatting on the ground with their legs spread, their asses in the air, and I believed the entire world looked like this, no? That helped me a lot. (laughs) What I love about that quote is that she's basically saying that what she was witnessing in the madhouse was closer to reality than what was outside of the madhouse. Because outside of the madhouse, she was probably experiencing people, you know, pretending, people living roles out, you know, they're not really being themselves, not really discussing things as they really truly are. And in the madhouse, everyone is being themselves because they don't know any different. They, they don't know that it's wrong to shit on the floor. They're just doing it. And so there's this um, revel- revelation that she experiences that is so obvious in, in her work. And it's also obvious that that is what fueled her tenacity um, to continue to work, even though no one was paying attention to her. What's always interesting in these retrospectives when you see um, an artist's body of work over a period of time is you start to see how they um, begin in a place They deviate from that place and experiment and their materials change, their aesthetics change, but then somehow they wind back around to the thing that they were involved with in the beginning of their careers. And so after um, viewing the middle part of her career, what follows is... uh, a series of these almost mythical drawings. Uh, I think she would use architectural uh, blueprints and maps, and she would use those as her paper, and she would draw over them and create these almost um, Roman-type caricatures. But they're doing some of the things that her earlier um, illustrations did. The actions are somewhat similar. There are tongues, there are snakes, there are um, beasts roaming um, the, the background of the drawings. There's some demons and some angels. There's a shamelessness um, to what the couples are, are engaged in in some of the works. There are bulls, there are frogs, there are lizards, there are flowering branches and green fronds. There's a world of, of not just um, activity, but also of smells. She's filled up her um, illustrative world with fragrances, with stanks. And you can see that she's completely fearless, completely 
without bounds and completely blind to the obscenity of what she's presenting to us. Maybe she is and maybe she isn't blind to it, but um, it certainly feels as if she just doesn't give a fuck (laughs) whether you like it or not. And there's something so pure and wonderful about that. So anyway, if you are um, in New York City around now till September and you want to see a really interesting show, go check out Carol Rama at the New Museum. Like I said, there are other artists there right now being exhibited at the same time. It is um, a worthy trip. Downtown New York is... um, is dirty and and it, it it really does bring you back to um, a certain uh, nostalgic period of time. So, whenever I go to the new museum, I I try to walk around and um, absorb that because it's it's actually um, the place that I frequented when I was um, when I was I guess uh, what you call a tween now. <laughs> Yes, that, that was my playground. That's where I learned some stuff. Um, walking along the Bowery, walking up Broadway in Soho, window shopping, and also just plain boy watching because there were so many cute boys roaming the streets back then. Downtown is just, is just that for me. So going to the new museum is just, uh, it always brings me back to, to a certain period of my existence and, and I'm grateful for it. And it's a great location. The new museum had a much smaller location, um, a few years ago and, and they moved to this new space and it's great. It's big. They're, they're really doing some interesting things there. So do check them out. If you can become a member, I think they have fantastic parties and I'm going to end it there because um, it's been a rough weekend and as much as I love looking at art, you know, I, I'm also looking at, at what's going on at the same time and trying to keep my head straight about everything. I think, again, the most important thing we can do is to keep uh, being our creative liberal selves and fuck all those other people. They can't live with that. And if they think we're taking something away from them, that that thing that's being taken away is so freaking important, they can go fuck themselves about that too. All right, well, with those eloquent words, I leave you one more time. Thank you for listening to Digging Through with Jesse Alvarez. Do check out our website, diggingthroughthefat.com. We actually have a open submission period coming up for fiction in September. So do go to the submission page, check that out. And I'll speak to you whenever I decide to speak to you again. Bye, y'all. Flowers. Remember, you can find Digging Through with 
Jesse Alvarez on iTunes and on SoundCloud.